Good evening. As I was uh, preparing uh, for this uh, sermon, uh, it's in the middle of the sermon series, The Battle Before Us, uh, I was researching and doing some different things, and I stumbled across an, an old article that I had written, uh, read, uh, I, sorry, I had read uh, a long time ago. And uh, it, was, it took place in the 1920s, was what this article was reporting on. Uh, and it was in regards to a, a manufacturing uh, facility, a couple of them throughout uh, the nation. And they had, um, they had developed a way in which they would put a, a special kind of compound or a paste on watch faces. Uh, and the goal was with this is they would, they would put little dots on the watch faces, on the, on the hands, and as, as they would they'd put that on there, it would allow it to, uh, to glow in the dark at night. Uh, but as, as they were manufacturing this, they realized that this paste was very expensive and it was very tedious to put on. And so the, one of the ways in which they found the best to put it on was to take a, a very small brush and they would dip it in the paste and then they would apply it. But after you did that once or twice, the brush would start to kind of separate and it wouldn't, it wouldn't do a, a, good, a good stroke anymore. And so they came up with this saying that they taught all of the workers that the, you're supposed to lip, dip, and then paint. So you would take this paintbrush and then you would twirl it on your tongue or your lip and then you would dip it back in the paste and then you would paint it on uh, the, the dial or the, the watch. Uh, from the smiles I'm seeing in the room, some of y'all have already heard this story. But there is, uh, it, while that was a, a really good understanding and it saved money, one of the things that uh, they didn't realize back in the 1920s was this paste was made up of mostly um, radium, which is a radioactive material, and that's why it was able to, to glow in the dark at night. Uh, and so these individuals, as they, as they dipped it in this paste, uh, they, would, uh, they would then ingest it. And so back then, they, it wasn't just in this warehouse, but it was, or in this manufacturing, it was, it was used for all kinds of different things, radium was. It was used in clothing, it was painted on fingernails and toenails and teeth and eyelashes and put into clothing and used in the medical field, all kinds of different ways. But as, as they started to use this, and over the years, uh, several months into these manufacturing and, and doing these different things, they started to notice uh, some issues uh, with their workers, uh, particularly the workers as they were doing this. Uh, they started having having dental or, or mouth issues, whether that was you know teeth having issues or lacerations, and in some cases, basically the jawbone started to to kind of deteriorate and rot and actually become separated. And so uh, this this terrible thing happened. And as as I was preparing, and I thought you know the battle before us, envy. Envy is what we're looking at tonight. We we read it about it in scripture. We we have read about it in our. Um, in our uh, scripture reading, that, that it's something that Christians should not be involved in. But I don't think that we fully understand the evil of envy. Uh, the scriptures warn us of it. In Proverbs uh, 14, verse 30, it says, A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. And so there, there is an idea that as we come and as we study envy tonight, uh, we need to be aware that there is a particular... Uh, evilness to it, and it, it is not healthy. It is not something that as believers that we should participate in. In fact, we should fight hard against it. And so as we look to God's Word, we're going to 
try and first define what envy is, and then next we're going to try to look to see how we can identify it, uh, and then uh, as we close things out, we'll be looked to see how we're equipped as believers to fight against it. Uh, to do that, we're going to be looking at a passage in Matthew. Uh, this one is uh, familiar to us because it happens uh, anytime Easter rolls around. This is one that we would read and we'd be familiar with. Uh, it's, it's after uh, Palm Sunday, after uh, Jesus has ridden in and people have declared Hosanna, after he's been in the upper room and met with the disciples, uh, after he went and prayed afterwards, and he's been delivered over um, by the religious leaders to, to Pilate to be judged. Uh, and so our passage, let me read it for us now, is Matthew 27, verses 15 through 26. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted, and they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they, had, when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For, they knew that it, for he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting in the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream." Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd and asked, asked for Barabbas and, and destroyed Jesus. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? And they said, Let him be crucified. And they said, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather, rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and he washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And the people answered, His blood be on us and our children. And, they released, and then he released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he del- delivered him to be crucified. Thus ends the reading of God's word. Let me pray for us as we head into... Lord, I I thank you uh, for your word. I thank you for the ways in which you have directed us, the ways in which you have guided us. Lord, I pray that you would be with me this evening. Lord, that you would use my words um, in the ways in which you've promised. Lord, that as they go forth, they would be arrows to the soul and to the heart. Lord, may they bring forth um, great consideration for what you have asked us to do, but Lord, may they also give gospel hope. May those who hear your word be changed by it. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So the first question that we will ask tonight is how do we define envy? Uh, If you look at this passage, uh, there's a question that comes to mind rather quickly, is why in verse 18 of this passage does Pilate say uh, it out of envy that they had delivered him up. Uh, in my mind, I started to think, okay, I've, I've heard this passage a lot. I've never really looked at it through the lens of envy, and that's what we'll do tonight. 
but I kind of started wrestling with, well, envy, I, it kind of has all these, these things that go with it. And that's one of the things, if you study envy, you'll realize that envy kind of operates in, in a pack of other sins. That's in our scripture reading. Um, in Peter, it, it talked about all these other sins, and it's kind of in there. When the Apostle Paul uh, is writing, uh, he, he uses envy and, and all these other things. So it's, it's kind of this pack thing. And so uh, as I was trying to figure out a good definition, I told some of, of the guys, it's like, it's like trying to define water. You, you know what it is, but you can't really get a good, a good handle on it. But as I, as I googled it or looked in the definition, definitions up in a dictionary, uh, envy is described as a feeling of discontent or a resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, or luck. Uh, another one from a, a, um, a believer in, in the faith describes envy as a feeling of unhappiness at the blessing of others. And so as we start to look at that, we, we might start to get an understanding of it. But one of the things that we hear oftentimes when we hear of envy, we also are, it, it kind of goes in, in hand in hand with uh, the word jealousy. And so if you look at scripture, you, you often balance between you know, jealousy and envy. And as I, as I asked some others, uh, particularly my family, they were, they were kind of guinea pigs. And I said, so what's the difference between jealousy and envy? And as they wrestled through it, I was, of course, wrestling through it in my head. And so there, there's a, a, a real big question there of, you know, is there even a difference? Uh, is there a difference between envy and jealousy? Because I know a lot of times I'll say uh, to, to myself, oh, I'm jealous that they have this or, or different things. And, and so, again, to, to define this, I think it's really helpful. And so what is, what's the difference between jealousy and envy? Jealousy is described more as a, as a desire for something that belongs to you. So if you are jealous for something, it is something that you had and it has been removed from you or it has been attempted to be removed from you. And so you, you kind of scratch your head a little bit and think, well, you know, how does that really play out? What's the big difference between envy and jealousy? Well, if we look at scriptures, we understand that the Lord, uh, the maker of heaven and earth, has been described as a God who is jealous. He's never described as a God who is envious. And what's the reasoning behind that? Well, God who created everything owns everything. Everything is His, and so it is impossible for Him to be envious because He isn't desiring something someone else has. He owns it all. It's all His. And so if we, if we kind of pull that in and start to think through that, it starts giving us a better understanding of what envy is. It's, it's this desire uh, for things that aren't ours uh, that, that we want and we, we have a frustration or, or maybe even a hatred towards that person that is receiving those, those gifts or those items that they have. Uh, another writer defines envy as the hatred of someone else's borrowed glory. Again, that is envy is the hatred of someone else's borrowed glory. And so with, with those kind of definitions in mind and as we kind of uh, think through those, let's think of different ways or look to different ways of how we can identify envy. If we look in this passage, um, again, we go back to the question, why is it that Pilate is able to identify that these men, uh, these religious leaders, are filled with envy instead of jealousy or hatred or something else. Why is it envy here? Uh, and if we think of this, uh, we can look down at verse 20, and I think it helps describe a little bit more of what's going on. Uh, his purpose in it was, now the chief priests and the elders persuade the crowds to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. 
There's not a, a desire here where all of a sudden they want to see, uh, they want to take what Jesus has. They don't want to rob him of his glory that he's received or his benefits. They just want him destroyed. They want to, to put him to death. They, they have seen this man over the past several years rise up. Uh, he has all of a sudden come from uh, a humble beginnings. Uh, he, his, his dad was a, was a, 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 a my mind just went blank there, a, a, a carpenter. Thank you, Jack. Um, a carpenter. And so as, as a carpenter, you know, he came from these, these humble beginnings, and yet he's able to, to go into the synagogues, and he's able to have these discussions, and he's able to, to answer questions that no one has as he's, as he's doing these miracles. And as we've heard with the different encounters with Jesus over the summer and the, the morning sermon series, we see over and over again where he brings these healings in and he does these miracles and people's response are, are amazement, but the religious leaders are often very frustrated because the response uh, that it's not only that he's healing people, but he's doing things like forgiving their sins. Uh, he's telling them uh, that he is the son of the father, that he is there to seek and save the lost, that he is the Messiah. He's, he is this cornerstone that we read about in our scripture reading, and, and they don't want anything to do with that. They're looking at it, and, and they see the glory that he has been given, and they're frustrated by it. They're angry by it, and they want to see it destroyed. Uh, if we, we zoom out a little bit, we see other examples of envy in scriptures. If we think of, of David uh, and Saul, you know, uh, shortly after David and Goliath and, and everything that happened there, Saul takes David and says, hey, I'm going to put you in charge of some men, and you can go out and you're going to fight uh, for your people, for God's people. And so David does that. And what happens? David goes out and he's able to, to slay multiple thousands of, of, of Philistines. And so as he comes in, there's a picture that's it's recorded in Scripture of of David coming in and people rejoicing and, and being excited over what the Lord is doing and particularly doing through David. And Saul is watching as these people cry out and say, you know, David kills the ten thousands and Saul kills the thousands. Uh, and there could be an idea that maybe in, in Saul's mind there's a jealousy being welled up here. But if you start to look at it, you start to understand, no, I, I don't necessarily know if that's jealousy. There, there's nothing that David has taken from Saul. In fact, everything that, that, that David has done has been to the glory of the Lord. He is serving his king, the, 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 the glorious king, the heavenly king, but also the king in which the Lord has put into his place. He's gone out into battle because he's been asked by his king to do so. And in doing so, the Lord has blessed him, and he continues to, to see success in it. And so what is Saul's response? He wants to see him destroyed. He wants to see him put to death. His envy all of a sudden comes into existence and into his life. And as we, we pull back a little bit more and look at another example in Scripture, if we look at Adam and Eve in the garden, we see that Eve, when she was approached by uh, the, the serpent, she's uh, not, just, not just deceived over the taste of a fruit, 
but there's something that comes along with that fruit. Uh, there's a certain amount of knowledge that she would get. And whose knowledge does that belong to? It belongs to the Lord. And so all of a sudden, Eve is being confronted with this idea that she wants something that doesn't belong to her, and she wants to, to take it and to get it. And that, again, is, is the definition of envy. And so there are some examples in Scripture of how uh, we can see envy at play. Well, how do we see envy in our own lives? How, how are we able to identify that? Uh, and I think, you know, one of the, the clearest and easiest uh, examples of that is we need to make sure that we're being honest with ourselves. Uh, we, we know that envy is a sin, and sometimes we use other words like jealousy to replace it. And so any time in which we are saying, uh, I, I want something of someone else, any time that we feel uh, coveting or any of these things come into our minds, we need to be aware that, hey, there, there might be something going on there in regards to envy. Uh, we also need to look and, and see uh, in there, are we seeking to destroy what others are doing? Uh, we saw that in, in, in the first two examples there. When we look at what these religious leaders are doing with Jesus, uh, they are using uh, these different ways in which they have been able to, to receive power, and they're, they're kind of manipulating the system. These men probably stepped back and much like Pilate said, hey, I'm going to wash my hands of this. I'm not going to do that. And in our own lives, we oftentimes do the same things. We, we, we start to maybe gossip a little bit or maybe we start to kind of rally. Uh, it's interesting the way in which these men worked to put Jesus to death is, is they didn't directly go forward and do it on their own, but they rallied everyone around. They, they, they spoke and they whispered and they, they said these things and all of a sudden uh, they started started to see movement towards it, they saw that the planting the seeds of envy, planting these different things, and allowing them to grow all of a sudden brought about uh, this, this result that they wanted. They disregarded the laws uh, that had been put into place to protect, and they, they said that this is, this is something more important. Well, in our own lives, we need to be aware. Anytime that we see different sins that, that pal around or hang out or run in a pack with envy, we need to be aware that envy is probably there. If all of a sudden we're coveting something that someone has, or maybe we're, we're frustrated with somebody uh, or angry at them or have malice towards them, we need to understand, hey, uh, there's probably envy as well. We need to look for that and to help identify it. Uh, we also need to look and see, are we more concerned uh, with our kingdom than the kingdom of God? As we looked at Saul briefly, we saw that um, that he was a man that originally wanted to do what the Lord had asked him to do. And many a times in our lives, we, we start out that way. We start out with this desire where we want to do good. And then as we start seeing some success in that, as we start seeing things go better, uh, we, we start uh, to shift. And then all of a sudden, as, as someone, comes out, out, someone else comes onto the scene, uh, we get to be frustrated because uh, in some reason, uh, you know, they're kind of impeding on, on what I was able to do and my success and what I was doing. And it exposes in our hearts that, hey, you know what, I, maybe all my intentions weren't necessarily for God's kingdom, but some of these are, are for my own kingdom. And, and in this, I think where it really comes down to is we really need to explore our hearts and where our desires are. And we need to analyze whether or not uh, we are doubting God's goodness. As we think of this and we think of envy as a hatred of someone else's borrowed glory, 
we oftentimes struggle when we see other people achieve success that we wanted for ourselves. When we see them able to have something or to do something in a way in which we, we wanted for ourselves. As I was uh, working through this, I, I was sharing with someone about how there is a, a man uh, in our presbytery that he is able to memorize books of the Bible, and he, uh, he, can, he can recite them and, and use them, and I thought, uh, you know, what, what a wonderful gift that is for the kingdom. What a wonderful gift that is uh, for the Lord to use in this man and the church, and, and that's, that's so great. But I remember thinking after that, man, if I could do that, how, how much better would I be able to serve the Lord? How much better would I be able to, to understand and to go after uh, these things? And so I started to identify, you know what, I, that's, that's not for my glory. I, I, I all of a sudden am frustrated at, at what, what this man has instead of what I have. And so as we, as we have those things crop up, we need to understand that that's envy. We need to call it what it is, and we need to be aware of it, and we need to repent and to, to turn from it. And so that comes with the question of how do, we, how do we fight against envy? Now that we have seen it, now that we have defined it, how do we, how do we fight against it? And the first thing that we need to do with any sin is we need to look to Jesus. Uh, the whole context of this uh, passage that we've looked at is that Jesus is going to the cross. What's his point of going to the cross? Well, it's to defeat and conquer sin. He's lived the perfect life. He's gone through. He's healed. He's done all of these things to point to the fact that he is 100% man and 100% God, that he is able to take upon him all of the sins and to, to have them forgiven. But on top of that, he's able to, to pre- present uh, his his righteousness to those that receive him. So the question and the starting point is, are you looking to Jesus? Are you putting your faith and trust in him? Because without him, you'll be dead in your sins and trespasses, and you won't be able to see envy. You won't be able to understand that you're even doing it, and you won't ever be able to fight against it. And so that's the first way in which to fight against envy is to look to the Lord as your Savior. And in doing so, he fills us with the Spirit and allows us to move forward. But then we can start to look and we can say, you know, as a response to what the Lord has done in my life, as a response to the gospel, I want to see the Lord's kingdom grow. I no longer want to just see my kingdom grow, my things that I want to do. I'm all of a sudden able to look at the gifts that the Lord has given to others around me, and I'm excited at how people are able to use those. I can look at individuals that can do things that I can't do, whether that's on a piano or whether that's uh, looking at ways to organize different things or the ways in which people communicate the gospel to individuals that, that I can't. There's a, there's a tremendous blessing that the, the church is made up of a body, that everybody isn't the same body part, but these are all together mixed, and we're working together for the kingdom of the Lord. And there's this wonderful enjoyment of seeing individuals that are able to use the gifts that God gives. And so there's all of a sudden this understanding of, of God being more glorified and more magnified. And then lastly, as we, as we wrestle through those, uh, we need to rest in God's goodness. As we look at this world, oftentimes uh, the way in which envy comes in is because we're frustrated 
at the slowness and the way in which things are working in our own lives. We're frustrated because we want to achieve certain goals. We want to, to see certain things come about, but uh, in, in our own strength, we're, we're not seeing those. We're, we're frustrated in that, uh, and we lose sight of the fact that Jesus is going to return, that there is a great and glorious return of, of our Savior, and He's going to come back, and He's going to redeem His people. And so that allows us to, to loosen up on the grip of the things of this world. It allows us to loosen up on the grip and the ways in which our desires are. And we're able to look at passages like the, the new commandment that the Lord gives in Scripture where he tells us that we are to love in the same way in which we have been loved. So all of a sudden, it, it changes the dynamic of way in which we approach brothers and sisters, a way in which we approach others in life, because all of a sudden, we look at the way in which we have been loved, and when people are frustrating us, or they have certain gifts, or different ways in which they're able to do things, we look at it and say, you know what? I'm thankful that the Lord has blessed them with that, and I can love them all the more for it, and I can be loved by the Lord and understand what He's doing in my own life. And so there is uh, just a tremendous blessing that comes with being able to, to let go and to rest in the goodness of God. And so now that we have defined it, we understand uh, what envy is. Um, we also have looked to help start to identify it, and now we also have some ways in which we can fight against it. It's my hope that we'll have a better understanding of what evil uh, it is that envy has, and that we will consider uh, even this evening the ways in which we can fight against it, the ways in which it is cropped up, uh, hidden in our lives, and that we will see our, our, our lives um, be uh, the ones that reflect God's glory more clearly, and that uh, our, our bones will not rot uh, with envy. Let me pray for us now. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift uh, of your word. Lord, we thank you for the gift of the new life uh, through your Son. Lord, we thank you that uh, even though we know um, we will fail you uh, this week, that we will, uh, that we will envy others in what you've given them, Lord, that your Son has forgiven us, uh, that he has allowed us to be forgiven by you, and that, uh, that as you look at him, uh, I look at us, you see him in his perfect works. So, Lord, we pray that we would be encouraged by that, that we would be refreshed in it, and that we would long to fight even harder against envy in the future. In your heavenly and awesome name we pray. Amen.